All righty, folks. Welcome back to another Out of the Rough Golf Podcast. It's a two-man mission today. We got myself and Kid here for a Ryder Cup preview podcast. Um, getting two two pods relatively uh, close together. We just uh, did our uh, Ranger Cup pod, which is perfect because it is essentially our Ryder Cup. But uh, yeah, we're going to kind of break down uh, the teams for the Ryder Cup and uh, who we're favoring, uh, what we think about each team, the picks or the captain's picks and uh, whatnot. Um, but uh, yeah, it's my favorite tournament or exhibition or whatever you want to call it of the year. My favorite, uh, you know, my favorite golf event is, I guess, what I should say. Um, it's not every year, but, but uh, every every two years. But yeah, it's my 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 favorite golf event for sure. Agreed. Yeah, 100%. I don't think there's anything that gets me more fired up to watch golf than the Ryder Cup. So I'm getting really excited for the upcoming Ryder Cup next week. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff for us to dive into. We really haven't done too much on the Ryder Cup. We did a little bit during our Open Championship kind of pod. uh, But, you know, a lot has unfolded in the last month and a half. Uh, A lot of uh, teams have been decided, you know, captains have made their picks. So few things to run through but yeah i'm I'm so fired up for this you know after the smackdown that took place at whistling straits it's you know at the end of the day i root for entertainment and i root for you know a compelling rider cup and i think we're gonna get that in in europe because i i do you know my my feeling on this is it's gonna be really close and uh you know a one of these hasn't been one on foreign soil since 2012 uh at medina so uh really really excited to see what happens this time around I thought they haven't won in 30 years on foreign no, soil. The U.S. hasn't won on European soil in 30 years, but the last time a Ryder Cup was won on foreign so- soil by U.S. or Europeans was at Medina. Oh, in gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, it 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 is just you know, I think it it embodies kind of the essence of what golf is for you know the average Joe that is out there playing, you know, match play or whatever it may be with their friends on the golf course, you know, or or if they're playing a scramble or whatever it may be, it's just a lot of the time when you're playing golf with your friends or whoever it may be, you know, you're teamed up and professional golf just isn't that. So whenever you get to scratch that itch, whether it's the Ryder cup or the president's cup, it just uh, is that much more compelling and, you know, I, I, I just really, I, I really love it. And, you know, people have kind of talked about, you know, trying to bring the team format into, you know, tournaments, whether it's the Zurich or whatever it may be. And it, it just or never live. has had the, yeah. Or just, it just hasn't ever had the juice. There hasn't been the mm-hmm. same, the same thing. And I don't know why that is necessarily, but the Ryder cup embodies that. And it, it is what, you know, live is trying to strive to be like, um, which they have fallen short of drastically. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess we can kind of get into it and kind of, uh, break down these teams and, uh, what, what we think of it. Uh, if we think, uh, the captains have made some good choices and, uh, what we're, what we're thinking of each team. Yeah. I mean, obviously I think the main thing that makes the Ryder cup so special though, is that there is buy-in from the players that they find it to be really important. A lot of people want to be representing their, their flag, whether it's for, you know, the European union plus UK and 
uh, the British Isles, since they're no longer part of the European Union. And then you have, obviously, the U.S., who are a hardcore patriotic team that are love rep- representing the uh, red, white, and blue. So I-, I think the fact that there is that kind of patriotism to it, you have players that are bought in and care, uh, makes it that much more compelling. I think a lot of the reason, besides all the stuff that's baggage with Liv, is that you just know that the guys don't give a shit about their teams. So the... The fact of the matter is like these guys care so much about the Ryder Cup and you can tell it with this newer generation of the US team you can you can tell how much Europe's always cared about it and how much they've had a chip on their shoulder that that you can feel that on the broadcast you can feel that from the players so the emotion is there like you you don't get Rory crying after a loss on the PGA Tour or even in major championships he's not crying out there even though he does he just didn't get the masters or something like that like but he cried at whistling straits because he felt like he let his team down like that is palpable when you watch it. And that's why, you know, it's my favorite golf event. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. And it, it is crazy considering that the, you know, the Ryder cup it is an exhibition. No one's getting paid for it. And it's literally as like just tiger and others want to. <laughs> yeah. It, and you know, it, 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 you know, just from the, the Roy thing you just said, it's the, it seems like it's the event that they care the most about. And it's so crazy that there is zero financial incentive to it. It's just the fact that I made this team and I want to represent my country and I want to bring home the Ryder cup to, you know, the U S or, or Europe, whoever you may be rooting for, whoever you may be playing for. And I, I I think that it speaks volumes to, you know, just, you know, how how just great this this event is and how much these guys care about it and how much it means to be on a Ryder Cup team the fact that you know you know that I'm sure there's many guys out there that made one Ryder Cup team in their career and I'm sure that is at the pinnacle of of their career arc you know and they just like will put that up on the on the mantle whether they won or lost that they made a Ryder Cup team and they were there to represent their country and you know, did their best to, you know, bring home points for their team. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent, you know, firstly, I think money would taint it. I think a lot of people would agree with me that money would taint this if it was in it. And I also think the fact that there is no money elevates it that much more that like winning it is more than enough and no one disagrees at this point. And I think it keeps a purity to the, the exhibition in the sense of like, this is all about history, legacy, tradition, and, the pure pride of like coming through for your team. And I think they all feel that because they're always solo out there on the course for the most part. And having people that you're relying upon you to do well is that much more of an enhancement on the emotion. Um, And then, and you got to think that, you know, a lot of these guys play collegiate golf and collegiate golf is so team oriented as well. And you kind of miss that, or I would imagine a lot of them miss that vibe and that, that atmosphere. And, you know, this is, you know, if you make the President's Cup team or the Ryder Cup team that, you know, you, you're getting to scratch that itch, you know, that you haven't been able to have in quite some time. And you, you, you rarely get that as a professional golfer. So I think that 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 adds a lot to it as well. Yeah. So this might be an easy transition to the team side or the the, the captain's picks. But just to kind of reemphasize the importance of the Ryder Cup to so many of these guys is. There's actually interview footage from like 20, I want to say 17 earlier in the year, 2016, before 
his pro kind of career really took off of Justin Thomas saying, being asked, would you rather have, whether, would you rather be on a winning Ryder cup team or have a major championship? And he, without hesitation said being on a winning Ryder cup team, like, and from, from my standpoint, I took it at face value as authentic and and a true statement because obviously he was a big Alabama guy. He was part of a lot of winning Alabama college teams. Like he he was right at coming out of that kind of culture and atmosphere where he's part of a team. And so it, it doesn't surprise me that he felt that way. He might feel differently later in his career, but the fact of the matter is, is that he's been a part of that Ryder cup winning team. And it was important to him from the jump start more, more so than even winning a major championship, which is crazy for someone of Justin Thomas's pedigree and his, and his, his professional history and him having two major chips now in the, in the rear view, but a huge testament to how important it is to guys like him who are kind of emotional leaders to a degree or really invest in the event. Yeah. And I mean, he's fortunate enough in, and right now being in the position where he's won two major championships and he's been on a winning Ryder cup team and a, a winning president's cup team. So he's, you know, gotten to get all of that. So, you know, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's nice for him. <laughs> so we'll, we'll obviously get back to JT a little bit later in this podcast, but I, I figure we can dive into the teams um, so far. And I think obviously more time is probably going to be spent on the U S team because we're both American, but I do feel like it's compelling enough to, you know, speak a bit on the European team. I'd love to start with them. So, yeah, uh, I, I agree uh, for sure. But I, I do want to say before we get into the teams, I think after whistling straights and even at the beginning of this year, um, it was at least from my perspective, like with live going on and the guys on live potentially not being able to play on the team, especially for Europe, uh, you know, the PGA of America runs the Ryder cup for the United States. So there's a little bit of leeway there, but, uh, just coming off of whistling straights and knowing that these veterans from Europe weren't going to be on the Ryder cup team this year, um, it was really kind just of notably both. one, right? I mean, for the most part, we think pretty much that whistling stress was likely going to be Ian Poulter's last Ryder Cup, regardless, based on where his play was in his game. And then Lee Westwood also wasn't playing his best golf at that point either, getting two years out of it. And then you could argue that Henrik Stenson being a captain was not going to be playing on that team either. So it was really it left just Sergio, right? I mean, there there's Thomas Peters as well. Like, I think uh, well, he that, 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 that's a good point. Yeah, Thomas Peters, I he made the switch later on, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. But re- regardless, uh, with, with that, like, uh, you know, just coming into this, this PGA tour season and stuff, uh, I was thinking like it was going to be a, a, another whistling straights. Like the U S team was going to go in there and it was going to be an overwhelming favorite. Like it, it, the writing was already written on the wall that the U S was going to win this Ryder cup and coming into it. Now it's stacking out to be a lot, lot more competitive, you know, matchup than I was definitely anticipating, like seeing these teams shape out to how they have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, in my mind, when you are going on to foreign soil and, in, in, you know, Europe, you can almost chalk up an automatic four points right there for the team, just because I feel like a lot of guys are just not comfortable, uh, especially, with them not having to make that 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 flight over very often um from the US over there and, and playing on usually different types of courses that aren't really the same as as what the PGA Tour puts in front of them and then they're obviously so well tailored to the European team that just home field advantage it feels like it has a big impact 
either side that you play on, but more so in Europe than in the U.S. because of all the factors we've already talked about. And the European guys, when they're going over to a U.S.-based uh, Ryder Cup, it's usually for a course that's very similar to what they play on the PGA Tour as is. Like, Hazel team was it was pretty rote with what you'd expect from the PGA Tour. Um, Whistling Straits, obviously, is, is a bit different, but we they had played major championships there before, and it's stuff they're familiar with. Like, Golf National, not exactly uh, the run-of-the-mill PGA Tour course. So... Um, obviously Marco Simone is a bit closer to a PJ tour course than Lagos Nationals was. It's a little bit more well-rounded of a course. doesn't quite favor as much driving accuracy as play golf did, but, um, I still want to credit probably three to four points. Just go ahead and just give them to Europe right now because of the atmosphere and, and how historically poor we've done going over there to begin with. And it also seems like the, uh, build out at least since I've been paying attention to uh, golf, that the European Ryder Cup build-outs, at least for the first tee and, you know, certain holes are just that much more grandiose and, like, just seems like they really get the crowd involved there yeah. kind of better than the American... Uh, Whistling straight just know. lacked lacked a lot of pop, it felt like. And I and that a lot of that may may have been due to COVID and Correct, stuff like yeah. that. Um, but it just seems like the buildouts aren't, you know, that that same vibe that the one that they have been for the European Ryder Cups. Um, but uh, you know, so that definitely, you know, from what you said, it definitely plays a part, and the 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 home the home advantage is definitely there, and I definitely think it do, it does help for sure. Yeah, and you know, they're they're trying to find every micro advantage they can on the course. They're looking at all the stats. They're deep in the data with everything. Um, so I don't, I, I expect them taking full advantage of what they can having the control over the course. Um, ready to jump into the team? Yeah. Okay. So on their squad, I'll try to go through the guys. Uh, I don't have it in front of me in terms of who's on with points and who's on with rankings and who with picks, but I'll go through. Who I'm pretty sure are they're on points, obviously starting with Roy McElroy. Sean Rahm, Victor Hovland, Tyrrell Hatton, Matthew Fitzpatrick, uh, and, I, and, I and think then Bob, Bob McIntyre was the other one that made it on points, which on is points. kind of the the kind of the guy that is European he's lucky stalwart, right? Yeah, and he's lucky he made it on points because there's a bunch of bunch of guys that probably could have gotten a pick over him if he didn't make it on points. Yeah, I mean, most notably, Adrian Moronk would be the next guy who maybe would have taken a spot from him. But he did, you know, chase Roy down the stretch a bit at the Scottish Open, and there were some other, you know, he was obviously playing pretty well in the, you know, DP World Tour throughout the year. But I, yeah. And and, and honestly, Aaron Rye as well is is up there, I think, in my opinion, that is a guy that could have been on this team. But yeah, he plays with two gloves, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what he's known for. But uh, the guy has game, and you know, I'm not sure. You know, I definitely think he, he he's a guy that could have been in the conversation. I'm sure he probably probably was in the conversation. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think a lot of these guys uh, of the ones who made on points really, you know, I think are rounding into form right now in a good way because you know, Rom had a kind of quiet summer. Um, Matthews with Patrick had a very quiet year up until this point. It seems like he's really starting to find his form quite a bit coming into the Ryder Cup. Um, Tyrrell hadn't started off hot at the beginning of the year. I think he's cooled off a little bit, but still looking okay. Uh, Rory's Rory. I mean, he's obviously trying to come back from a back injury, but he was recently on the uh, the Golf Subpar podcast uh, about a week ago and was saying that he's 95% of the way there. I'm assuming he'll be 100% by the time the Ryder Cup comes around. 
Um, and then Victor Hovland obviously is peaking right now. So um, I think amongst those kind of top six guys, I don't you know, we already talked about McIntyre. They're looking really solid, I think. I mean, you could, I, they're looking relatively dependable in terms of what performance you're going to be getting out of them. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of wild to look at the, the records of some of these guys, like Victor Hovland for one is Oh, three and two in his Ryder cup career. Um, but, uh, at whistling straights, he lost matches, but he was playing good golf and he's been playing and it kind of seems like he's turned the page, especially this year, performing at a lot of the majors this year and, you know, just kind of winning some bigger events and, it just seems like uh, Victor's coming into his own, and I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with this this Ryder Cup. And he can chip now, so it's like new guy. Like he was here, he's ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, moving uh, into the, the captain's picks, uh, you know, we have one Tommy Fleetwood, obviously heating up quite a bit, had a great second half of the season. Sepp Straka, who is, you know, I think been relatively steady throughout the year, had a win. Um, you know, n- definitely nothing to sneeze at. I think he could at the end of the day, it's match play across 18 holes. Like he could upset against almost anybody. That's how these things usually go. Justin Rose has patched up a lot of his game. Uh, obviously one of the older cats out there, probably some much needed veteran experience in the locker room for them. Um, and, and I, and I mean, he has a, a, a relatively good Ryder cup record at 13, eight and two. He's just know? missing his, he's missing his main buddy though. Stenson, who was the death pairing with him. And they were, they were almost unbeatable. A lot of the time they were a tough, tough yeah. group to take down. But so like you had mentioned, gets paired with. I I think it's good to have some some more of that veteran, you know, agreed, uh, kind of vibe in the locker room. You know, it's kind of him and Rory kind of being those two guys for the veteran vibe in that locker room. I feel like agreed. Yeah, obviously, Rom's gonna feel like a, a veteran in there in terms of you know experience and and what he's been able to bring to the table and how much of a terrifying factor he was at Whistling Straits. I mean, they lost that in historic fashion, but. Rom was terrifying out there. He was one of the deadliest dudes out there. I mean, it was remarkable for Scotty to 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 upset him on Sunday, but Rom was just a fucking bull in a china shop against the American team for those yeah, first I mean, two days. He's the best golfer in the world. There's no getting around it. He's he, he's the man. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm gonna go ahead and sidestep <laughs> that tangent right quick and just keep moving along. Um the next guy on this list we got is Shane Lowry, another guy with a major championship and and one of the older guys on the team and has a wealth of experience in terms of general competitive golf and professional golf. Doesn't have a ton of Ryder Cup experience, but I think for the most Whistle, part Whistling Straits was his first Ryder Cup and he came away from that being like I don't know how I can live without making these teams going forward. Like I fucking love this. Like and this arguably is, this is, didn't necessarily have a, a pick sewn up for this one. I think the fact that yeah. he's just, he's in the he's in the European boys club where they they want him there because at the end of the day, like that's who they want in the trenches with them. Yeah, and I mean he he has a lot of experience with the guys he's going to be playing against. Right, there's True. something to be said about that. Like he plays on the PGA Tour. He, he he's going up against these guys on a weekend week basis. Um, so I, I think having that experience and not, you know, necessarily being flustered. Right. Um, yeah. I think it's going it, to up your again. point. I think it's more about him not being flustered by the other guys than it is like him being uh, a fear factor for the other team versus maybe an Aaron Rye would kind of be like, oh shit, I had to fucking tee it up against Brooks Kepka right now. Like that dude's a fucking mm. machine in majors. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't hate the Lowry pick. Um, he does feel like a veteran presence, despite him only having the one Ryder Cup at, at Whistling Straight. So I think it's a good, I think, calm, cool, collected guy. That That's a part of the squad for them. All right, we're back in here. Um, but we were talking about Shane Lowry, um, kind of that he is uh, kind of has the veteran experience being able to, you know, not be phased by going up against some of these PGA tour stalwarts and stuff like that. And that's kind of the value that he's bringing to the European team with that captain's pick. Yeah. Without question. I think he's going to be a dependable partner, a good, even cool, calm, collected playing partner for a lot of these guys out there. I think you can pair him with just about anybody. Obviously there's going to be stats that play into who he's going to be the right fit for, but I think he's going to be, similar to Victor Hovland, a guy that's going to be able to get along with anybody and be a great kind of partner to pull someone up. So, uh, not and a bad you mentioned Victor Hovland. I think it's very similar. Like Victor didn't necessarily win matches last, uh, Ryder cup at whistling straights, but played well. And I think Shane Lowry is in that same boat where he played pretty well, but didn't necessarily it, his record didn't re- re- reflect that. Yeah. I, I mean, they just ran into a juggernaut with that U S team on like a perfect condition, you know, perfect home field advantage. Everyone there was rooting for them. They were all peaking. So I think it's going to be very different this time around. Um, two two captain's picks left. I think some of the most interesting picks for the team as well. They went very youthful. They went with some firepower. They went with some high upside and some kind of future-looking picks. Uh, one with Nikola Hoygaard. Um, Nikola, Nikola Hoygaard fucking smashes the ball. Um, has a high ceiling, um, obviously can has played a little bit on, on the PGA tour has played with these guys side by side before. So isn't unfamiliar with some of these guys in the U S team and what they're capable of. Uh, I think at the end of the day, this is also an investment in the future for the Ryder cup team for the Europeans. I think he's very similar pick as to how Thomas Peters was for the team at Hazeltine, uh, back in 2018. I think there's a great opportunity for him to, come in with you know breaking the doors down and, and and surprising this u.s team with how many birdies he can really fucking make in uh you know an 18 hole stretch yeah i don't disagree i i love the uh the mentality there as far as like investing in the future getting these young up-and-coming players on the team and you know kind of giving giving them the experience going forward you know they can build off of this Ryder cup Hopefully, you know, they're hoping that they're going to play well. And even if they don't, they're going to be able to build off this this experience and are going to be better players going going forward because of it. So, I, uh, you know, with Nikolai and the, the next person we're going to be talking about, I think that I think European uh, the European team, um, Luke Donald, made the correct choice with 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 Nikolai and the next guy we're speaking about. Yeah. And, you know. We'll get we'll get him into him next, but I think the great thing about for both of them is that they're getting their first Ryder Cup under their belt on home soil. That they're going to get comfortable and get used to the atmosphere and what it's like in a hospitable environment for them. I think for Shane Lowry and for Victor Hovland, they went into a Ryder Cup in you know the <laughs> into the fucking. Coliseum. I mean, it's not the wrong wrong metaphor because they're going into Rome now, but they, they went into, you know, uh, the battleground in the U.S. where it's uh, far more kind of vitriolic toward them. And even that much more so because it was during COVID and a lot of Europeans couldn't come over and even That's try right. to be at, at the Ryder Cup. So it was a very, very U.S. heavy crowd at Whistling Straits. 
Yeah, agreed. So I I think this is a, a great call from Luke Don to what you said, and I think a, a great pick in Nikolai. And the next pick, I, I think this one is about as you know, I think I understand the hesitation that a lot of people had earlier on in the year. And I, I also commend, you know, the folks like Tron Carter, I'd know laying up and all the long shot, you know, calls that he made about him being put on the team. Um, obviously kudos there, but at this I mean, point, he was talking about it at whistling straights. Like that's, <laughs> that's how far out he was talking about this guy and yeah, kudos to him. And he, he does seem to be the guy. It seems. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, for those of you who are somehow listening to the outer of golf podcast and, and don't know who this person is at this point, it would be remarkable, but we're of course talking about Ludwig Aberg. Um, statistically right now, since he's been on tour, the, the best driver of the golf ball on the planet for someone who is uh, barely even a professional uh, in terms of how long he's been on tour. And he's already won on the European tour. He's put up some really notable finishes on the PGA tour. Um, I meant to say he won the European tour, the DP Wars. Who I he, think I mean, he I'm just won the spoke. Omega European Masters. Like, Correct. Yeah. <laughs> like and he just, he, I think dude, he just got a runner-up or something like that too recently as well. So he got. So going back to August twenty seventh, he got a T four at the D Real Czech Masters, then followed that up with a win at the Omega European Masters, and then got a T ten at the BMW PGA Championship this past week. So, I mean, the dude, dude's a baller. Um, there's not really much more to be said about that. Like, uh, I think he's one of those guys that, you know, is coming into his professional career and is going to be a world beater. Um, and the more confidence he gets as a professional, the better he's going to play. Yeah, I think it's probably fair to say that as long as the moment isn't too big for him, as, seeing as he he just got onto kind of the professional circuit, his game is obviously world-class. Like he has such a high ceiling. He's going to be a stalwart on the PGA tour going forward. This he's going to be, I mean, he's already 80th in the world with like 10 real starts. Like he's, I, I can make the call right now with comfortably saying that he will be a top 10 player in the world within the next, I'm going to say two years. Like I, 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 I truly think he's good enough, young enough. And he seems to be, even killed in the golf course seems to have the right things between his ears that he's going to, he'll supplant somebody on there without, without I think much time needed. And it, and it seems at least like this day and age with golfers that are coming out of college, that there is this like, for lack of a better phrase, like honeymoon phase when you go pro and it's like the first two years of your career where it's like, no you're scar tissue. To, yeah, you're just happy to be there and you're playing like really good golf. And then and you get, you know, four or five years in and then now you have like expectations and you're trying to do better than the year before. And then all of these demons might start coming in. So I think he's definitely going to be in this honeymoon phase for a year or two. And he has the game to be just, like I said, a world beater. Yeah, I, I think both Nikolai and Ludwig bring in some really entertaining storylines and things to follow with this Ryder cup that I think 
both for them and the U.S. have have introduced to me far more entertaining elements to this Ryder Cup than if it were picked just based on the safest thing possible, the most chalk, the most logical, the most and not to say that Ludwig is an illogical pick. He certainly is. But in the sense of like the most sensible, safe picks, you could have possibly said, you know, not think about ceilings, but like who's predicted with the person that would have been there. Um, I think well, at the end of the day, and, this, this is an entertainment like- product. It would have been very easy to go with a Moronk or someone like that over Ludwig and props to Luke Donald and whoever was in his ear, you know, telling him that like, no, we need to go with this guy Ludwig. Like this is the future. And that's also, you know, with Nikolai as well. Like, I think that was such a good call to get these young, young guys on this team and, you know, build towards the future and get these guys the experience they need. So you're going to be good for, you know, the next several, you know, Ryder Cups or the next decade, you know? And unless they both go O and like two or O and three or something like that, I I think even with a slightly negative record, it was the right thing to do. Because at the end of the day, Victor Hovland was the right pick for that, for Whistling Straits, even though he qualified on points and he had a losing record. And the same thing with Shane Lowry, like, you got to build for the future and Aberg and Nikolai are likely going to be on European Ryder cup teams for the next at least eight years. So I, I, I commend the picks. I wouldn't have done, I likely wouldn't have done them any differently. I don't think I would have done anything differently. Yeah. I mean, the only like gripe I really have with the team is Bob McIntyre, which he got in. Which you can't control. Yeah. And he got in on points and he probably would have gotten a captain's pick. Like, I would they don't have probably taken Moronk huge... over Big Shot Bob, but I, I, I think at the end of the day, it's negligible the impact. the The winning of the Ryder Cup was not going to be predetermined by if it was Moronk or if it was Big Shot Bob. Yeah, I mean, I think the the one you know glaring thing is the Sergio thing, like. I think, you know, that most of that team probably would have liked to have Sergio on this team, um, especially John Rom, like the pairing at Whistling Straits with John Rom and uh, I, I, Sergio. Um, I understand it emotionally, but it, John Rom was, you know, carrying him around on his back at Whistling Straits. Like it wasn't like Sergio was an even I think playing it, I think it's more. Him. I think it's more so their games complemented each other so well. Like Sergio, you know, he could be 50 years old and he's still going to be able to hit driver and irons into greens. And as long as you figure out the strategy for the the format and, you know, Sergio can get him close and have Rom roll in the putts and maybe Sergio will make some putts every once in a while, like that team is going to be a formidable team. I mean, in theory, like if let's say Moronk was on this team or we can even leave it how it is, like who would you take off this team right now to put Sergio Garcia on it? Um, I mean, I would take Bob McIntyre off. But sure. let's say he's in on points right now, like he currently is. Like if you were in Luke, Luke Dolan's shoes, who would you have replaced? Sepp Straka, I guess, if I had to pick one. Yeah, I mean, Sepp probably, I, yeah, I... I get that maybe Sergio has earned a bad Ryder Cup in the sense of like, you're the greatest Ryder Cupper in terms of points generation in the history of the event. And you should get a chance to go out like swinging. 
And I don't necessarily disagree with that. Um, I even think I would add. Did you see that he made a? Did you see that he made a last ditch effort and said he would pay seven hundred thousand euros, like in fines, to be able to play on the Ryder Cup team? That like came out see that this week. Yeah. Which is, well, I mean, shows how much he he wants to be involved with it. But yeah, I mean, he he so he 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 made his bed, you know. I mean, so. he more made his bed based on what he was saying, like about the DP World Tour and like how they're running their organization. And yeah, I mean, that's for, just I think Sergio. Kelly. Yeah, but like at the end, he's of the day, kind like of the if, guy that like says says off the cuff shit and doesn't really think about what he says, and then is like, oh, I'm gonna ask for forgiveness later kind of guy yeah and you can't expect Um, an organization to kind of like completely change the rules that they had in place against everybody else for for him in in addition to him saying the shit that he's saying i think there's a reason i don't disagree people are more favorable and saying like yeah we could bring on dj or brooks if they're playing well because the way they've conducted themselves since the departure to live they've been amicable they've been if anything kind of Defer, you know, deferential to the PGA Tour as well as you know the PGA of America, where they haven't tried to ruffle too many feathers once they've made their switch. So, I mean, I I kind of get it. And then plus, Brooks won the PGA Championship, the major championship of the organization that runs the U.S. team. So, it's not surprising he got the pick as well. Yeah, I I just thought that was a little context to add. Like it just shows like Sergio does definitely want to be on that team, but he like I said he made his bed. He decided yeah. to go to live. He made the comments that he made, you know, you know, burned a lot of bridges. Per and the Sergio. question sort of is though too is what apart from Rom, who else would want him in that locker room? In all honesty, because he's cast stones and tried to hurt both of the tours that these people are participating in is he on the lawsuit as well against the PGA tour with Phil and Bryce and these other folks. I don't think he is, but I, I, I can't say with any, you know, real certainty. Cause I would, I would be curious what some of these other guys would think about, you know, him coming in with the kind of, you know, mall top cocktails he's throwing at their well, tour with, with that being said, like I think most of the team the european team is perfectly happy with the the team they have together aside from rom like rom has a gripe that sergio isn't on the team and i think it's mostly because of how they meshed and gelled at whistling straits like he wanted to have sergio as I'm sure a he wanted this... to, I, i'm sure he wanted another Sp- a spaniard on the team though too they've had obviously lots yeah. of spaniards on the team you know year in and year out i think between sergio and rafa you know, being pairings a lot, he transitioned to him and, and him and Sergio being pairings. I think there was kind of he wanted that pod of of Spaniards to kind of represent their their country as well. And I I get that, I do. I also understand this being a great transition year on home soil for that because I highly, highly, highly doubt Sergio would have been on a, the next U.S. team in two years' time. So I mean, maybe better now than than the next Ryder Cup to bring in uh, the young blood. So um, and I I mean it, I do think it is a shame with. With all the live stuff and, you know, everything going on in the world of golf, like Sergio, Sergio should be a captain of the Ryder Cup someday. Like he <laughs> deserves to be a captain of the Ryder Cup and he very well may not be a captain of the Ryder Cup, depending on how this shakes out. Like I understand the PIF and the PGA Tour have are trying to come to some sort of deal and make things, you know, work out. But, you know, I would hope that 
uh, Sergio will be a captain of the Ryder Cup someday. I think he is does he deserves that even with all the shit he's done. Like he he like you had mentioned, he is the most like prolific Ryder Cupper there has ever been. And uh, yeah, he, he I think he deserves that even if you don't agree with everything he says, if you don't agree with his antics, like I think he deserves that. And it's it'll it, in my opinion would be a shame if he doesn't he, he's not able to be a Ryder Cup captain someday. Yeah, I I appreciate that perspective. <laughs> yeah. I uh I could I could go without him being a captain, but I understand how important it would be for I think a lot of the European contingent and fans would that, that do want to see him back in that locker room in some fashion. So I'm happy to give that one, you know, your way and other people's way. I don't have a huge gripe with it, but I also could take it or leave it. Like I don't need him to be a captain. Yeah, like I said, the the dude made his bed. Like if it if if it was actually as important to him as he makes it sound, he wouldn't have gone to live. Like he knew the implications, he knew all that, and he decided yeah. to do that and take the money and talk shit about the PGA tour and whatever it may be. Um yep. so it wasn't important enough to where he, he he did what he had to do to be on the Ryder Cup team so yep. all right well, I think that's enough on the European team um I think let's hop over to the U.S. team where we can run through some of the uh the first six locked uh people on the team uh you know Scotty Scheffler obviously in on points Patrick Cantley in on points Wyndham Clark in on points Xander Shoffley in on points Brian Harmon in on points and Max Homa in on points. Um, a, a lot of interesting names in on points on us. Uh, hardly the same Goliaths of, of, of the golf world as what we had rattled off on the European side with Rory, Rahm and, and Victor. Um, we do have Scotty and we, and obviously he's the number one player in the world. He's playing like it. He's the best tita green golfer on the planet major championships mean a lot when it comes to the Ryder cup points that's yeah glaringly obvious when it comes to this i think at the end of the day if you told me that uh wyndham clark and brian Harmon were captain's picks and colin morikawa and we'll we'll say you know brooks or spieth made it on points then like it sounds like a stacked team it's just the way that people came in uh, sometimes taints like the the depth of the team itself. But we're certainly not the uh, the the peak uh, condition and uh, impact that we were at Whistling Straits. I, I gotta say, is there anyone on this team who is peaking right now? I maybe Brian Harmon, but like I, I can't think of a single person on this team that is peaking right this second. It's the best golf they've ever played. There's no way they're going to play like this is the perfect time for them to be on this team and to go over to Europe and, and win this Ryder Cup because I don't think anyone's at 100% on this on this roster. Whereas I think Victor Hall right now, in terms of what his potential has been so far, is at 100%. I honestly think if anyone's trending the right direction, it's Max Homa right now. He got to like he was kind of that just now. Yeah, he was, uh, you know, kind of in a little bit of a slump. Um, I think he's bounced back. He's, I wouldn't say he's like at a hundred percent. Cause I think the, uh, you know, the yeah, first maybe, third of the maybe, season, maybe peak, maybe peaking isn't the right word, but he's trending upward from where he was. And I think that's good for voting well for him. But aside from that, like it, from what you were saying, like that's the only name from these like guys who made it on points that, you know, seems to be trending the right direction. 
Yeah. I mean, you can say that Xander and Cantley are extremely steady and they're not far off of their median line of performance based on like what we should expect from them. Like, I think at the end of the day, the Patrick Cantley Xander Shoffley pairing is our strongest pairing and it's going to continue to be our strongest pairing probably for this Ryder cup. They're going to go out first. They always do like they, they are our dependable pairing from two guys that haven't won major championships, but do seem to mesh well with each other and are steady and they can make a shitload of birdies. Um, and they seem to be effective. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, who Europe pairs up against them. But uh, those are the only two guys where I'd say, like, I'm happy to concede the Max Homa thing that, like, he's, let's say he's getting back into the 90, 90 percentile for himself. The Cantlay, the Xander, the, the Scheffler, and maybe the Homa, because we haven't seen him play in a Ryder Cup, um, especially in Europe. But he played, he played well at the President's Cup. Like, he went, That's true. what was it? three and oh or four no uh i don't know it's a great question let me look that up i know he had no losses so it was either three four or five and oh i don't think he played five so i think he might have been four no um but yeah he won all four matches yep yeah he he played well at the rider or at the president's cup so it makes me think you know i think he's one of those guys again like we've mentioned at the top of the show that you know you know, kind of thrives off of the teaming environment and, you know, looks forward to stuff like this. And he's definitely a guy that meshes well with anybody, you know, and you can kind of throw him out there with anybody and he's going to bring, bring the vibes and try to contribute wherever he can. And I think he is trending the right direction. And that's a guy out of those guys who made it on points that I think, you know, may have, you know, a, a game that's feeling good coming into this. Yep. Um, coming into, uh, the other couple, you know, in on points guys is, uh, Brian Harmon and Wyndham Clark, uh, beginning with Wyndham Clark, uh, he hasn't played since the tour championship and he finished, uh, uh, the, in third, uh, based on gross score. So the OWGR, so he actually played pretty well at the tour championship. Um, and then some T15, some T20s, um, pretty much kind of, I would call like middle of the road golf since winning the U S open, but was playing obviously fantastic golf leading up to the U S open. Um, so I would certainly say that he's not exactly like firing on all cylinders in terms of what led up to him winning his major championship. And then Brian Harmon, um, you know, since his open championship, I think has still been playing relatively steady golf, but, um, the thing, the thing about Brian Harmon is he in, in the match plays, he tends to do well in the match plays, especially at, at albeit Austin country club, which is a corky course. Um, yep. but the guy can drain putts. And yep. if you're paired up with Brian Harmon, you're loving it because he's going to be making those par putts and, you know, you know, kind of raining on the parade of the European squad that they're going up against when, you know, they're, they're, they're thinking like, Oh, we got this hole, but Brian Harmon just rolls in a fucking 20 footer. Like it's nothing. Yeah. And you know, he may not be contributing, you know, in other assets of the game, but he's going to be there with the, 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 the putter and uh, making it work. So I think, I think he, he brings more, to the to the team than a Wyndham Clark in 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 this situation on this course in my opinion it does seem like we have like the the polar ends of putting pretty down on this team we have some phenomenal putters on this team with Sam Burns and Brian Harmon 
And honestly, you know, Xander and Ricky Fowler are both really strong putters as well. Um, and then you have folks like Scotty and Justin Thomas on this team too, who can't hit the flat stick very well at all right now. So, you know, at the end of the day, like sinking putts is what wins holes and those have got to go in for us. So hopefully everything is, uh, is, is rolling the rolling in going in the hole for us, uh, at the Ryder cup in Europe. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we, we can go into these, uh, these, you know, captain's picks a little bit um you had mentioned obviously that uh ricky had made the team we also have colin morikawa um we have sam burns we have jordan spieth and we have justin thomas and of course brooks kapka yep there's i think a lot of expected names in there in terms of how they had been performing in the year i think brooks kapka is an obvious name I think Ricky Fowler was an obvious pick as well with how well he had played throughout the, the middle of the I season feel like and Ricky with Ryder could, Cup experience. I feel like Ricky should have been on this team front with points. Like I, it doesn't make sense to me that he wasn't on points. It's just that majors bode so much. Like Wyndham Clark and and uh and Brian Harmon, they were the two and the three for making it with just on points. And it's like if they didn't win those majors, like they could very well not be on this team. So it, it, it seems to me at least, and I obviously have a bias, but I feel like Ricky should have been on this team with points with, with the season he played and you know, how, how well he played this past season. But yeah, I agree. I honestly think he was the safest of the captain's picks for us. Um, I think that's a completely reasonable, you know, stance on it. Um, All that being said, he does not have a great Ryder Cup record. Um, the guy hasn't played that great. He was a part of a lot of dysfunctional back. teams, though, too, right? Like in the sense of like when Tiger and Phil ran the locker room and it was more about independent play than team play. And like he wasn't part of like the high camaraderie, great chemistry team like we had at Whistling Straits. So like it, it's hard to have a great Ryder Cup record where, you know, the I think the most powerful pairings that were out there for those teams, he wasn't a, he wasn't a part of whether it was the speed and Patrick Reed pairing, or like, they didn't feel like he ever had like a really dependable go-to strong partner. I feel like he was sometimes. Yeah. I feel, I feel like Ricky's kind of the guy that you, you at least in the past have paired up with potentially someone that necessarily, or, you know, might not pair up well with other people. And you're just like, well, Ricky can play with them. Ricky can play with anybody. Yeah, exactly. So you know, that may not have voted in his favor in the past. And I think, uh, and I'm hoping for a great Ryder Cup for him. I think he can play well. He's been playing well all season. And obviously, you know, I, I, I'm i a Ricky, Ricky guy and I'll be rooting hard for him. Yeah, agreed. I, I would love to see a great Ricky performance from this Ryder Cup. I think once again, he could be paired with just about anybody and have a great time. You know, he's played with JT in the past at President's Cups, he's played with a lot of these guys um, at different team events. So I think he's an easy guy to slot in and out. And he's a great putter. He's a dependable guy off the tee. Um, I think at the end of the day, I think think low key, a Scheffler Ricky pairing could could be really good. Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, like they. Sam Burns was put on this team because he's a great pair for. I know, Scottie I know, I know friends, that but... Scheffler and Sam Burns are going to be paired up. Like that's a given. But I, I think if you're looking at it objectively and trying to make the best pairings to win the Ryder Cup, I think you know, I think a Ricky and a, a Scheffler pairing could be really good. But 
Um, Morikawa, I think that's an I think an obvious pick for a lot of folks out there. Um, I do think he started to come into his into form toward the tail end of this year. I think he's at least trending back to where he was in previous years. I actually think statistically, from what I had seen and what I've heard as well, is that he had a pretty normal year for himself. He just didn't have the peaks that he had in previous years where it, it has led to him getting wins and and, and contending in majors. But he's strokes gain wise been exactly where he normally is. And that's really what you need at, at Ryder Cups. He was him and DJ were, you know, demolishing pairing for the Europeans at Whistling Straits. And he obviously had that insane clutch shot on the par three to close out his match on Sunday. Uh, I think to win the Ryder Cup too. Uh, so I, I think he's obviously a great pick, a dependable iron player, you know, reliable. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that DJ Morikawa pairing was hmm, superb. Yeah. Like, yeah. Real, real solid. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Morikawa seems, seems like this, this course will suit very well for his game. Um, and if you, you pair him up with someone that can roll the rock a little bit better than him, you know, we should be walking home with, with some points. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think maybe sl slip in the other burly man. I mean, maybe just replace DJ with with Brooks. I think those two going out would be pretty scary for the other team to be alongside. You have two major winner, Colin Morikawa, five time major winner, Brooks Kepka, and like they're gonna be they're gonna be balling out. So I mean, that's not a that's not a no. I I really like that pairing. I I hadn't thought about that pairing, but yeah, I think that yeah, like you had mentioned, just slip in Brooks instead of DJ. Um, and Brooks can roll the rock. I, you know? I feel like so. when the moment is biggest, that's when he's putting his best. Like he, mm -hmm. you know, he, he starts sinking those 15 and 20 footers to, you know, you know, pour cold water on anyone's hopes coming through. I mean, look at Victor Hovland, the PGA, like he just made the smart plays, just crushing people's souls out there. So I like that pairing a lot. Um, which leaves two people left from the cop captain's picks, uh, two best friends, Two pairings that we've seen both in Europe and in the U.S. Uh, have found, you know, usually a tremendous amount of success. Um, not quite in on the normal ways that they've qualified for for Ryder Cups, neither of which qualified in on points. And uh, you know, a precarious situation to get on this team in the, the, the in the first place for one of them. But it is Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. Uh, I know you have a lot of feelings on this day, so I will cede the floor to you to speak to at least one of the individuals. Um, yeah, I mean, it is, it is a much more difficult argument for Justin Thomas to be on this team than Jordan Spieth. Um, I think it is still kind of a debate a little bit for Jordan Spieth to be on this team, but I think he, it, it, it makes sense for Jordan. Um, and as far as JT goes, like, I understand that, you know, they are captain's picks and there is a factor of team chemistry and, you know, bringing the right vibes and, you know, being 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 Justin Thomas and being the like, I love me some me at the President's Cup and chugging beers and and stuff like that. It's just he played horrendous this year, like he has played abysmal. And it's just, it, it is kind of, I don't, I want to say there kind is of. no it's, arguing it's, that it, it is wild to me that he got a pick. Um, 
albeit I understand why he got a pick, but I don't agree with it. I don't think it was the right choice. Um, and I could very well be, you know, walking this back at the end and he goes fucking three and oh or something like that. This this Ryder Cup, um, which could very well happen. He could find something. But um, from what everything I understand this past year, it seems like he's dealing with some underlying injury that he hasn't disclosed to anyone. And, you know, just kind of the rumblings of the Twitterverse and the golf media shit um and i i just i don't i i i really i don't understand the when if you have you know a scale like where the pros outweigh the, the cons in this situation um you have so many guys that already get along with each other that are going to be bringing the vibe uh, i i just think there were some other guys that you know deserved the spot more and had played better golf this year um and like i said i understand the pick but i i i don't agree with it and uh, i think the team's going to be just fine with him um like you can if he doesn't play well you can bury him and make it work um but i don't think the the like we need him there for the team camaraderie and chemistry and he brings the vibes outweighs <laughs> like he's playing horrendous golf <laughs> yeah so I'll, uh, you know, you said, I understand, you know, the reasons why, you know, people, you know, put them on the team. And so I'm, I'm going to highlight a few of those just so that, you know, people understand the full context of it. So obviously he has a, he has a great Ryder cup record, um, in terms of his historical performance. He was one of the few people that went out and got points for the U S team consistently in Europe, uh, when they were there at Lake golf national. Um, I think a lot of things that going for him too, is that he is in that boys club. The Ryder cup has always been a boys club at the end of the day, like your, if your teammates want you there, they're going to advocate for you to be on that team and in that locker room. So being a part of ZJ's probably decision-making too, is that like, keep people are saying like, put JT on this team. We want JT on this team. And that's part of it as well. Obviously. I mean, if that's the case, if every fucking guy or the majority of the guys were there and being like, we want JT over Cam Young or whoever it may be, they're like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to do what you guys say. But I I would be surprised. If I would I would have I would have loved a little more context from Zach Johnson in the you know Ryder Cup announcements for captain's pick or whatever you want to say. Like besides, like you got to have him there. You don't you don't go over there without Justin Thomas. Like let's let's have a little more context as to why you picked him as opposed to like you just don't go there without him. You know, like, yeah, it's... even if it's just like he brings the energy, he's a glue guy in the locker room. Everyone was advocating for him to be there. Like people want JT on this team. Like that's a perfectly I mean, fair answer. It's as simple as like, hey, my guys wanted JT on this team. So I did what my guys wanted. Like they that's also but I understand not saying that in the sense of like, but I didn't really want to pick JT <laughs> like that. Well, like... no, you could you could have phrased it like my guys wanted him there. I love JT as well. So you know, I, I did yeah. what the team wanted to do, but instead he was just like, you don't go to Rome without Justin Thomas. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, ZJ like... is not the most articulate guy there is. We, we've, we haven't had a really thoughtful and like articulate and eloquent captain in quite a while. Obviously Podrick kind of talks circles around Steve Stricker for whistling straights and Europeans have always had, you know, articulate folks kind of running their, their teams. But I, I think it's as simple as that, you know, 
JT is someone that they depend on, that they feel like they can depend on, sorry, and they have faith in. If that's what they wanted to say, if they, that's what they said, I would have understood. Be like, but me and the guys talk, we have faith in JT and we want JT there. And we think he's going to find form by then. And right now, in the, in the, in their position, they weren't necessarily wrong. He got solo fed at Fortinet yet, like this past weekend. It's like, so it's not, he's finding something. I get that's not like a, a super deep field there, but he beat Max Homa there. Like, I'm not saying they should put Sahith on the team now because he just won it, which is, you know, kudos to Sahith winning yesterday. Awesome to and see. And getting Sahith. his first PGA Tour win, which is awesome. Yeah, stoked for Sahith. That's that's really rad. Um, but I, I get JT being selected for this team. I understand the same thing as you. Would I have picked JT? And you asked me on this on the previous pod, and I was saying logically and statistically, I wouldn't have picked JT from where we were at. In hindsight right now, not because of his finish at the Fortinet, at the end of the day, the Ryder Cup is an entertainment product. And to the same reason why I'm excited to see Nikolai and Ludwig there, I'm excited to see JT there because that's that much more charging of the entertainment product with JT being like, is he going to show up? Is he not going to show up? Like, that's compelling television for me. Um, But I also get like wanting to win it no matter what and putting ourselves in the best position to win it. But yeah, I just, uh, you know, like I said, I understand it. Like I, I get it. Um, I just like, is it like, is having Cam Young on the team gonna ruin the locker room vibe? I don't think so. You know, but, like, but, it, but can you say definitively that Cam Young is going to have a more positive impact at the Ryder cup than JT will have on this team? Like, can you say that definitively? I think, I think this, I think the course suits Cam Young very well. Um, but does it and, suit a good, I know does it suit a, a well, like a, a good working Justin Thomas any worse, but we don't know if like everything up until the Fortnite doesn't say we have a good working Justin Thomas. Like I, I, that's I'm just saying that's that, like, the whole but, but that, argument. But, that, but if that, if that's what the team is banking on is that JT will get his shit together and he's going to show up being JT at this Ryder cup. Like if that's the the reason that like that's how they're operating and picking him is that like he's gonna show up, then like that's how you have to think about how they're analyzing it, right? Yeah, I mean I understand that. It's just like it's kind of like putting your blinders on and just being like, yeah, I mean he's gonna show up. <laughs> but I mean you would have to have single... you kind of have to do the same thing for a Sergio pick on the European side though too, right? Is that like you're putting your well, blinders on and hoping that his past record is gonna be what matters. He's a big impact on the team. He's an important presence. Like, I think if you're advocating for Sergio, you can advocate for JT for the same reason. I think the team is a little less deep as far as your European. There's guy, there's a couple guys on the European team that you could replace Sergio with that don't have any Ryder Cup experience that you could replace with. Um, but I, I think it's a little different. Um, but I get get the point you're trying to make. And I would, I would, I would try to push back a little bit on like Cameron Young also being like in perfect form as well to be like a great fit for this team. Like he's not playing his best since, golf by any since means. He, since he changed back to since he changed back to the ball that he he had been playing the year prior, he's been playing good golf. When was that? Uh, it was like a few weeks before the Open Championship. I think it was at the Canadian or something like that the that'd be before the u.s open you mean the the, the british open because he got the t- british o- the, before the british open championship so the john is the like, john deere when he switched because he went from getting a t60 to a t6 to the john deere 
I I I don't know for sure, but it was it was me. I want to say it was a couple to a few weeks before the the Open Championship, British Open. Because he after the after the British Open, he went T he went miscut at the 3M, and then he went T31 at St Jude, and then T15 at the BMW, which is a field of 70 or 60 or something like that. So like not terrible golf, but hardly not like the old Cameron Young is back that we saw from 2022. Like, but he played. He he was in the final pairing at the the Open Championship. Sure, I don't disagree with that. But I'm just saying, like, it, I I, it's not enough to say like Justin Thomas shouldn't have been selected based on what other people are expecting thi- from him. The thing is, like, Keegan is the I person mean, I'm, it, I was. I expect most people to be arguing over Justin Thomas, who had had a better year than Cameron Young. Yeah, he had two wins, right? Yeah, like I that's the more compelling argument to say like Keegan should be on this team. You need to take off either Sam Burns or Justin Thomas. Like that that's yeah, the- I mean I I guess I I was just throwing throwing Cam Young out there. I said Cam Young and others, but yeah, Keegan has a great argument as well, you know. But then the the follow up the counter argument that I usually have for the Keegan thing is that like it doesn't sound like the guys really want Keegan to be on that team and he's not the same like chemistry fit that maybe Cameron Young would have been. So it's like, yeah, I think, I think, I think my biggest gripe with the whole situation is the lack of transparency on Zach Johnson and letting people know like what, why, why this was the pick besides just, you know, what I've been saying, like a broken record, like we're just taking them. You don't, you don't not take them. It's like, let's, let's add some context for Keegan, for Cam Young, for whoever it may be like why we took this guy and i'm sure they understand like he's friends with the majority of the guys on the team and you want to be paired up with the guy you're going to be cool with or whatever but yeah it it it, it is it is kind of like i'm not going to say unfair but like it it's it's got to be heartbreaking for those guys where you're like man i thought i played I thought I played good enough to be on this team. And then you have a guy that just played abysmally that just, just is like, yep, I'm cutting the line. I'm homies with these guys. Like, it's like, it's like you're waiting in line at a club and the guy you've been there for 45 minutes to an hour. And then just some dude walks to the front and his homies with the guy at the door and just walks in in front of you. But JT's going to shout him out on Instagram after, and it's going to get the club, more people coming in and more eyeballs, bigger <laughs> television product. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I feel you, Dave. Look, at the end of the day, uh, I understand why JT was picked as well. Uh, I think as far as like me being a JT guy to a degree and me wanting to see what I think is the most compelling television product for myself, uh, I'm not upset that he was picked. I wouldn't say I would. Uh, firstly, I'm not a Cam Young guy. I mean, he lost to Sam Burns at the match play anyway, and Sam Burns is on this team already. So, I mean, like I, he's not taking Sam Burns' spot. You lost to him, dude. If you beat him, maybe this would be a different story. Um, and then Keegan, it doesn't sound like people want him in there, which is unfortunate for Keegan, but I don't know what he's done to wrong folks, but it sounds like he's not the most well-liked guy in the locker room. And it sounds like they really want to just have the new guard a a part of this. I don't, I don't think it's a dislike for Keegan. It's just that he's not, again, this phrase that people have been throwing around boys club. Like he's not, he's not a jock. He's not like part of that crew you know like there's no reason like he shouldn't be on the team because like his golf should have gotten him on this team but his you know, his year just... wasn't any worse than like it, it was maybe more better than worse Spieth. than Rich's. it was better than Spieth's. yeah <laughs> for sure 
And it is cool how Spies, like, because he's so likable for so many people that, like, he sort of has just gone on the radar, like, oh, yeah, Speed is on this team, of course. Like, <laughs> like whereas, I mean, like, he could make an argument that both Cameron Young and Keegan would, re- would replace Spieth and JT. Like, Spieth with how, at least going... had, a, had a better year than JT by oh, of a course, good bit, of course. you know, like, it's not as, like, an egregious of a pick. But if we're just going by only the years, like if you're like, obviously Keegan will replace one of those two. And then like you make the argument like, okay, Spieth, Cameron Young. Like if you were just looking at stats on a sheet and not faces. But I think the biggest thing too is that you've just seen Spieth and JT go over and show up in Europe. Like they've done it already. Like, so that's, that's part of it too, is like weighing, you know, past Ryder Cup history a little bit here. It's not the end all be all, but it, do, it does have an impact. And if they can find the form, I don't know. I I I just tend to like, as far as like Ryder cup history goes, like I, I take like the PGA tour season more as far as like the Ryder cup history, because like there's a big gap in between Ryder cups. Right. And if you're playing like shit this year and the Ryder cup was, you know, a year prior to that, like, it's like, okay, well, why just because it's Ryder cup, you're going to play well. Like it, it just seems bizarre. There me. are a few guys that are like that though. Right. Like Ian Poulter was that for the Europeans for a long time, like guys that may not have very remarkable seasons, if not bad seasons, but still get picked for the Ryder cups and win their matches. Like it, there's some guys that are just bred for this for whatever reason. And, uh, I don't. I think it's still too early to say that JT is that guy, but they think he is, and that's why he's there. Like that, you know. I think that's a, probably enough on on JT. My my question more yeah. to you right now, Dave, as we kind of tie a bow on these two teams, is who are you rooting for? Because yeah, I'm I mean, rooting you for ha- the US. I I always root for the US. Of course, when the JT pick came out, I was very emotional and livid about it um, because I just didn't think it was the right move um but of course i'm rooting for the u.s team i'm not going to root for the europeans like i mean ahead of the jt pick just to quickly read something i may against my better judgment be rooting for team eu this year i'm rooting a hundred percent for jt to go oh three and zero dave that was after the jp jt pick no you said right before this if they want him in the team room that bad make him an assistant captain yeah that was after the fucking oh you're you're right you're right you're right you're right yeah. So it was already yeah. solidified at that point. The team was made, and and he... yeah, and like I said, I was I uh, made an emotional like response. Like, of course, I'm not rooting for Europe. Like, I'm not rooting for Europe at all. I want the U.S. to win this, and I want them to take it home on European soil. It's just like he could he could be an assistant captain and do all the team meshing and stuff that he brings to the table, which is the reason they picked him as an assistant captain. Uh, so I have a question to you, and there's been a couple of interviews out there, both with John Rahm and Rory McIlroy on the other side of the, the the divide here, as far as teams that have said that they would expect JT to be on that team. They would have picked JT. Is that because he's their friend and they want to say it to placate him, or maybe they say it because they actually want him on the team because it's going to give them an advantage. Or do you think they're being honest that like JT was the right pick? They'd be way more afraid of JT at the, the Ryder cup than some of the, a lot of these other guys that are on the team or that would have been picked. Do you think they're, that's earnest or you think they're just saying that because that's the political thing to say with JT? Uh, I think I don't think you can go one way or the other. I think uh I think that both are true. 
Like they don't want to bash JT and they also, you know, I don't know. I don't know how much you can take out of that. Like it, 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 there is a very much a, you know, we're boys with this guy um, and we don't want to, you know, disparage him in any way type of situation. Um, but like I, I heard the, I didn't hear the ROM stuff. I don't know what ROM said, but I did hear the Rory stuff where like, I'm going to be for, you know, I'm, this isn't a direct quote or anything. I don't remember, remember it exactly, but it was essentially like, I'm going to be more intimidated going up against a Justin Thomas than whoever else it may be thing. Yeah. From Rory. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that he is lying about that, but at the same time, he could very well be like, you know, JT has been playing like shit. I'd be happy to go up against him as well. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm there, there's probably some sort of I think he can have both thoughts in his head is that like I I do truthfully believe that JT has a higher danger factor to be paired against uh than a lot of these other guys. Um but at the same time like yeah, like I I'm more I, I'm confident yeah, I, mean, that I can take him If we're talking floors and ceilings, of course JT has an insane ceiling. Like if he does find whatever it is he's been looking for and brings it during the Ryder Cup, he could go fucking three and or four and like he you know he is capable of. Um, yeah. But his game leading up to it doesn't seem like that's the case. And you know I could be biting my words, you know, after this and being like, okay, you know, it, it, it you know, they made the right pick. I now was uh, wrong. But I, I think at the same up. time, like your logic wasn't flawed in not picking him though. Too, I think at the end of the day, like. In in retrospect, if he goes and does amazing, doesn't mean the pick was right or wrong in hindsight. At the end of the day, like you operate based on the information you have going into it. And the pick was either in your eyes bad or good. And you're either justified in your in your decision making afterward based on the result, but you shouldn't let that inform the decision beforehand. Like it, it, so I I screenshotted a Kyle Porter tweet um at the end of August. Um, when all this stuff was coming out and I think it kind of, it kind of wrap, not wraps it up, but kind of encompasses this whole thing. But it's uh one thing we should, we should remember. Absolutely. Nobody will, uh, that nobody absolutely. Okay. Let me restart. One thing we should remember that absolutely nobody will. Someone is not a good or bad pick ret- retrospectively of how they play a month from now outcome bias. You're either a good pick or a bad pick based on all the information available at the moment you were picked. What happens in Rome doesn't change that. So I, I think to your point, like you and your in your mind, JT is a bad pick. And if he goes four and oh, that doesn't make him a good pick. In the same light that JT is a in a lot of people's eyes, a good pick right now. And if he goes oh and three, that doesn't make him a bad pick. It just was the way things sh- shook out. Yeah, I mean that—that's the and, and you can't use of... the outcome to fight to substantiate your argument after the fact. Yeah, because you're only operating off of what you have at the at the moment of the pick. But uh, yeah, I think that was a, a really good tweet, and uh, I thought it, it it embodied kind of the whole you know conversation of JT very. The, well. qu- the question sort of would be 
would people go out on the ledge and say, hand up, I was wrong, or would it be like, he lucked out, he played really well, or oh, he had bad luck and he didn't play as well when it looked like he was getting his form. I, I don't know what the, the rationale would really be. But like, I, I would be willing to say I would I was wrong if he goes without a loss. Okay. I mean, I, I think that's relatively fair. I mean, unless he plays like five sessions, which is like surprise that'd be yeah, surprising I mean, he, for he, where his he, game he, is. But if if he does play five sessions and goes four and one, I will do the same thing. But if he goes without a loss and he or if he plays five sessions and has one loss, I will hand up. What about three and one? No. What if it's the best record on the U.S. team and it's three and one? If he has the best record on the U.S. team and it's three and one, I'll I will hand up. So there's three situations I'll hand up: best record on the U.S. team, three and one, plays five sessions and is four and one, or is without a loss. What if it's without a loss and it's one and zero, and they they sit him until Sunday? <laughs> I don't see that happening considering Me him either. and speed him and speed are going to be paired up for at yeah. least one session. I think uh, that's completely fair. I, I think you should accept nothing less. Um, I think three and one, if someone's out, like I think three and one is like, he was, a he was fine. Like he wasn't like, it's, it's great that he came through. It's, I think it's a good performance. Um, does it necessarily justify the pick if someone felt he was the wrong pick? Probably not. Um, but uh, to me, I would probably raise my hand at 3-1, but I understand where it, what position you're in not to raise your hand at 3-1 if it wasn't the best score on the team. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, speaking of scores, uh, I think we should probably get into scores. Maybe before we do, we talk about some potential pairings. You know, what do you like? Uh, what What's screaming out to you either side right now? What do you think are great pairings? What do you think they're going to pair and what would you do? Wait, are we going into score or pairings first? Uh, I kind of got ahead of myself with score, so let's start with pairings. <laughs> okay, for U.S. or European? Whichever one you'd want to start with. Um, I mean, we've been talking about U.S., so we... Uh, actually, let's go to European. Let's go to European squad. Um, Who are you sending out first? Kicking us off. Uh, and it should be four ball. I think first. I actually think they're starting with uh foursomes. I think they're starting with all shot. Okay. Um man. I I I think man, this is you know, I haven't really thought about any of this and I'm just looking at the guys and the names, but I feel like you kind of send out you kind of want to make a statement and you 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 send out your your kind of your your captain your guy you send out Rory with 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 like a new blood whether it's one of the two you're sending out Rory with Ludwig or you're sending Rory out with Nikolai Hogard I think that that would be a kind of a a you know a a a great pairing and kind of represent the European European team where Rory's Rory's going to be there for a hot minute. And he's kind of the captain, the the European essence, if you will. And you got two up and coming Groms that are going to be, you know, in it for a hot minute. So I am I completely agree that I would pair Rory with a young blood uh the first day with a with an alternate shot. Um 
I don't think I'd put them out first because I think that they'd be playing against Cantley and Xander. Um, and because we don't know how one of the rookies are going to be able to handle the Ryder Cup, especially in an alt shot where Rory can't just play his own ball and carry, um, I think you have to be able to depend on the person. So I think what I would do it was a, I would actually put out John Rom and Tommy Fleetwood. I mean, I I mean, th- I think that's a great pairing for sure. I was more going off of a, you know, just in the moment, emotional, like kind of looking at the names, like you, you're trying to make a statement like Rory is for sure is the guy and he's going out first for the European team kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate and, it. I and don't it's hate like it a, it's like a he's not necessarily like that old, but like kind of the old guard and the new guy coming in. And this is this is our team going forward, and we're going to make a statement, and we're going to win this match, kind of thing. For sure, I, I think it. it the, if everything's working well, uh, I think a, a Rory and Ludwig pairing is is terrifying because their ceilings are so so high. Um, I think at the end of the day, the the Rory Ludwig pairing is very similar to the the Rory Thomas Peters pairing that took down DJ and Brooks at Hazeltine. Like when they're both playing really well, like it's that is a tough duo to take down. Yeah. Any other pairings that jump off the the page for you? What regardless of format, whether it's foursomes or alt shot or or uh... I I honestly like a Terrell Hatton and a Shane Lowry pairing. I think they're both both Fiery. like interesting. <laughs> interesting characters and fiery in their own regard, like very different fireys. But I think that they somehow would mesh well together and could be a, a very, you know, formidable team. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Um, I think they, they make sense to me. They're a great kind of like afternoon pairing in, in a, in a four ball, I think let them play their own ball. Um, kind of don't let Tyrrell feel like he's uh he's got he you know Shane Lowry hit an amazing approach shot in and Tyrrell misses a short putt and then snaps his putter in half <laughs> so uh yeah. I think him on a four ball is a, a great pairing um I think uh another thing that kind of jumps off the page to me is uh like a, a Matthew Fitzpatrick and a and a like a, a Justin Rose pairing uh you know a younger guy and a, a veteran as well I think kind of fit nicely together um you know, I think they're both, a dependable both, duo. Both Brits, you know, I think that, yeah, I think, I think they would mesh well together for sure. Uh, I, I think, I think this is kind of a, a pretty important Ryder Cup for Matthew Fitzpatrick. You yep, know, it's agreed. after, after he's won the U.S. Open, he's kind of turned a page with his golf game. People are saying, you know. He's longer with the driver. He his game's completely different and stuff like that. He has an abysmal, like debatably, I, I could very well be the worst Ryder Cup record ever. It's oh five and oh. Um so you know, I think this is a very important Ryder Cup for him. I think he needs to get a win under his belt. And uh, you know, we'll see if he makes that happen. But I I don't I don't dislike that pairing. Um, I don't, I don't really necessarily know who, who else Fitzpatrick would pair up well with. Obviously there's the stalwarts of the European team that you could put him with and, you know, could very well win a a match with, but if you're trying to, trying to make the, 
you know, set the team up for the most points possible, you know, it's kind of weird fitting him in with, with the team. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, the uh, one person that we haven't really talked about much at all on this team, that's obviously a, a huge player for them is Victor Hovland. It's, it's mostly just because I feel like you could put Victor with literally anybody and it's going to be a strong pairing. You could honestly do like the full Scandinavian route with him and Ludwig, you know, there might be a world where they put Victor and Ludwig together and you put Rory and Rom together, just like the two biggest fucking threats on that team. And there's like, yeah, you guys aren't going to win this one. It's just not happening. I, I could see a Victor and uh, Nikolai pairing as well. That could do yeah, really dang. well. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think there's a lot of flexibility there. I think I don't know what you do with Big Shot Bob and Sep. I, yeah. I really don't. I don't know where you fit them into the mix. I, I think, think they're going to be I think they're going to be sitting quite a bit. If, I think if maybe I was, if I was a captain, maybe they put Big Shot Bob and Shane together, um, you know, one being a Scot and one being Irish, I guess both non-Brits, you know, possibly coming into the mix together. I think maybe you put Sep I, I I feel like they might put like Sep and Nikolai together just because it's just sort of like maybe these guys make sense together. We got to get them out there at least once, so we just uh, we put these two kind of question marks out there and see how they do. And if they can steal a point, great. If not, we're going to, you know, bury them in the, the afternoon somewhere. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely kind of looking at it. It's kind of interesting. It, it is a bit weird trying to pair guys up on that team a little bit, you know? Yeah, I think there's a couple. Whereas, I think there's a couple I don't guys that have great it... flexibility, and then there's some guys that seem like they might only work in like one particular game format with one particular partner. Yeah, and I don't think that's the same with the U.S. team as it stands. Like, I think the U.S. team has a lot more flexibility, whereas there are guys that want to play together, like Scotty and Sam Burns and JT and Spieth. So that kind of adds kind of a, a a wrench into it a little bit, but. I feel like the U.S. team, you can definitely, you can kind of just pick names out of the hat and pair them up together and they're going to do well. Yeah, agreed. So, I, you know, just in terms of perspective, kind of guesses of where things are going, who do you think is going to be maybe the the top two performers on the team in terms of points? Um, I think you can chalk John John Rom up there at, in one of those slots, and I'm and I'm gonna say Victor. I think Victor's gonna have a bounce back um, Ryder Cup. Um, he's playing really good golf, and I just think that he's kind of coming into like Victor season. I think this next year, like this next PGA Tour season, is going to be a good a a great year for him. And I think that kind of like how Scotty started off his great, you know. PGA Tour season with you know how he he did the Ryder Cup uh, at Whistling Straits. I think that's kind of kind of be how Victor takes this yeah. this year. I know. I think I think that's a strong possibility. I I, I expect big things from Victor um, from this Ryder Cup as well. I think I said the same thing about Whistling Straits. Obviously, was a little bit disappointed in his performance there, but I I do think he's going to be one of the the top two performers for the team uh, for this for this Ryder Cup. And uh, the thing is with, with, with uh whistling straights, like Victor did not play bad golf that entire whistling straights. He just got beat by yeah. better golf. And uh, his record does not reflect that. Like it, he's Oh three and two, but the guy played all five sessions and, you know, 
his record doesn't reflect how good he played. And I think that he's going to have a bounce back Ryder cup. Um, but you know, it's weird for me to say it, but I hope so. It's weird. Like I'm obviously rooting for the U S team as well, but I'm obviously a huge Victor fan. He's in my wolf pack. I've been happy to see him perform so well this, this year, getting his win at, you know, the Memorial and, and knocking off another one of the playoffs. Um, you know, Victor's obviously a great guy. It's hard not to like him. And, you know, vibes are going to be high on this team. And I, I do think, you know, Rom and Victor Hovland are two great picks for higher performers. You know, this is going to sound weird, and I don't want to bring negativity in this, but who's going to be the disappointment, you think, on this team? Who's going to be kind of maybe a surprising anchor on this squad if there's going to be anybody? Um, I mean, it's kind of up to who you are thinking if it's a surprise or not. But I'll say Justin Rose and... uh the septic tank. I think that's fair. I think it's fair to say that Justin Rose is probably on the tail end of his highest performing years. And there's a chance that this is, I mean, he obviously won at a, uh, uh, a Tory pines this year, I believe, or was I it, think Pebble? it was Pebble beach Pebble. Yeah, Pebble. Pebble. Um, but you know, that was a long time ago. So it'll be interesting to see if he kind of comes and brings that form over to Europe. Obviously he seems to show up for these things. It's been a while, but um, you know, he's, he's obviously a player. And the septic tank, who knows what you're going to get from him? He he has had good, you know, performances in recent I think he's months. Played, but... I think he's played really well on this course, too, if I'm not not mistaken. So he might have I'm... even won on this course. But uh, yeah, I just, you know, if I have to pick, you know, in this situation and the Ryder Cup out of these names, um, I'm going to say the septic tank. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's fair. And honestly, um, if, if if there's another person, uh, as much as I like him, I'm going to say Nikolai Hoygaard. Yeah, it's a, like there's a chance there, too. In there. Yeah. I, I think the big thing with Nikolai is that he might just finish 0-2. Like, he might get one chance in an afternoon and then one chance on Sunday, and that's all he gets to take a crack at it, which is tough for the rookies sometimes. But that's how it shakes out. Um, I think there's a great chance that that's going to happen. I don't know. Great. It's on the wrong word, but there's a, there's a possibility that it happens. I think for me, I'm really leaning toward both Tyrrell Hatton and Matthew Fitzpatrick, not, not showing up for this thing. Um, yeah, I mean, the record would, would indicate for Fitzpatrick. Um, I'm not, I'm not a Fitzpatrick guy, but he has won me money and I've been in his, in his corner for a lot of tournaments and I do, think he has turned a page in his golf game but the Ryder Cup kind of seems to be a a a, an issue for him like uh so we'll 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 see you know Owen five does does not not sound good yeah (laughs) I I mean at at the end of the day uh I think he's going to benefit a lot from being in Europe I think he's the kind of guy that probably does get maybe rattled by uh you know, a more vitriolic fan base or someone who's more against him. Although he did seem to get it done in at the heritage where despite him having fond memories of family vacationing there, the the crowd was obviously behind Spieth there. Um, and he still seemed to get that one done in a very tight playoff scenario. So he can overcome. Um, but you know, for the most part, I, it does feel like, uh, he hasn't had the track record in the Ryder cup to, to make me have too much confidence. And I think him and both him and Tyrrell both are, are, I think let the moment get to get to him. I do think Lowry is going to rise to the occasion. I think he's being underestimated right now, coming into it with his current form. 
he seems the kind of guy that cares so much about it that it it's going to be a positive for him. And I think he's actually going to show see, up and maybe do okay. I see at least one time during this Ryder Cup a massive celebration, whether it's a long drained putt or something from Lowry. Like we're going to get a shot or something. Like we're going to get a we're going to get a sick celebration from Lowry. Yeah, we're gonna. He's just gonna be fired up. He's gonna be red in the face. Yeah. He's losing his cool. Like probably lose a hat if he's got one on. Just be like, yeah. yeah. Like he's gonna be. He's gonna yeah. be fired up. Uh, I, I think we're gonna well. get one of those. All right, let's hop over to the U.S. team and uh, talk about potential pairings and and matchups. I think this one feels, to your point, a little bit more flexible. I think you can kind of move more guys around and pair them together and and see what we can shake out. Uh, and and find some kind of. Uh, you know, fire, make some fire, make some magic. There's clearly already some built-in pairings with uh, Shoffley and Cantlay and uh, Scheffler and Burns and Spieth and JT. And, and but honestly, aside from that, I, would... I, I think you kind of have to go off of the, the guys like Wyndham Clark and Harmon. Like, are those guys going to get paired up? Like, are they going to be playing some matches? Like, you would imagine they're each going to play at least one whether it's alt shot or or four ball, um, so it's kind of yeah. like who who do you pair those guys up with? Who are no? Who are I, they I, with? My guess is that you're gonna put they're gonna put Harmon and Clark together. It's gonna be Wyndham and and Brian Harmon together. You have the long hitter and you've got the great putter. And I kind I kind of hate that. I think <laughs> they should be with different guys. <laughs> but I think they're gonna put me. the two Cal guys together too. I think they're gonna put Homa and Morikawa together. Um, I think I, I think that's a great pairing. I, I think I like more Cow and Brooks are the are the play. I I agree with that. Uh, whenever you mentioned that earlier, I think it, I think that's a play for sure. But I don't yeah. dislike I don't dislike the Homa Morikawa pairing at all. Yeah, and see, I and to me, I would put Morikawa and, and and Brooks together, and I think I would either put I like Homa or Fowler with Wyndham. I think either of those work. Um, I think I think Wyndham and Fowler could be a good pairing, which which would leave Homa and Harmon, unless like <laughs> not that everyone has to only play with somebody Wind- else. Like but... Wyndham and Fowler are boys too, like they're friends, and like Wyndham. Started oh, they're using the that. same putter. They were in the you know Wyndham a lot of started together. playing. They started. He started playing that putter because of Rick. So I yeah. think I think that is a good natural pairing. I would like to see that pairing. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I think I think that works. Um, uh, as much as you know, people might have their gripes with Harmon. I think you could probably put Harmon with many guys, though, in the sense that like he's dependable off the tee. He's not going to get you in trouble, and he's a great putter. Like you know, you can put him in some tricky areas in the greens. He's going to be able to navigate it. Like I think you could put Harmon with a Scotty Scheffler, and they could do really well. That's what I'm saying. I I think Scotty and and Harmon should be paired up. Like I legitimately do. Um, I, I don't hate that. And I, I like the idea of maybe Sam Burns and Max Homa getting paired up and going out there and trying to trying to win a match. I do too. Like uh, kind of to my point with the whole JT argument, like, yeah, you have the boys club. You want to be paired up with someone, but you, you know, I didn't want to necessarily be paired up with Mark two matches in a row, the last uh, Ranger cup, but I was, and we got it done. So like, you know, you may not, you may want to play with your boy Sam Burns, but maybe you know Brian Harmon might be the best call to get get a win on the board for your team. 
it does sound like they're taking a more statistical approach and looking in more of the data for this Ryder Cup and the previous Ryder Cup than they have. Well, if they were past. doing that, JT wouldn't be on the team. Well, there is a lot of stats <laughs> in terms of Ryder Cups are concerned that are leaning toward JT being a strong pick. I, there's looking at certain data points to substantiate. I, and in terms of pairings, I think they are going to rely heavily also on data in terms of, you know, par four and par five scoring and par three scoring and who's the right mix on these ult- on these odd holes and even holes and all ult- for so- you know for four ball and four sums and who to put where and who has high ceilings and i think they're probably treating it a lot more analytically than they have in years past i mean that could very well be true i think that um, i mean i might think that that's definitely true you know i think you know whenever you know europe europe, europe kind of you know took took the reins and started being very analytical and stuff like that and and the US finally caught caught on and have have started doing that as well um but i also think that you know the US also you know wants to play with their boys they want to play with their partner kind of vibe yeah, I mean, it comes back to some of the reason why previous U.S. teams lost, though, is that they, they want to have a fun time and not necessarily – and like they want to just, like, enjoy themselves on the course with who they're paired with, not necessarily, like, what the most effective pairing will be to to win the match at the same time. So it's, you know, how much they're going to balance that. Like, I'm all for us making picks like JT because I think it's going to be entertaining, but I also want the matches to be as close as possible on the course. And if we're tanking pairings because we really want to see, I don't know, like Homa and Morikawa together – like I, I kind of agree with you. Like I don't really like that pairing, but just because they're both boys that went to the same, you know, college, like they might get paired together. Which is like, on what statistical basis that decision? Yeah, the more made. the more I think about it, I don't really like the Morikawa Homa pairing just because of on the greens. Like, I don't know. I feel like you need to have both those guys with a reliable putter. Like Homa has been putting well lately, but at the same time. They're known for their ball striking without question. Yeah. Like they're, they're known for being incredible ball strikers. Their iron play is elite. So I, you know, it'll be interesting. The, you know, the two guys that we really haven't talked about much is, is, is I feel like Spieth and Thomas, and I get that they're going to probably be paired together, but I also struggle to figure out who to put them with. That isn't Ricky on this squad too. Like they're Wyndham so Clark is Wyndham Clark is boys with both of them as well. So I think you could pair either one of them with Wyndham Clark and it would be a comfy pairing. Um, But aside from that, um, I agree with you. There isn't really much. I, 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 you know, maybe a Spieth and Scheffler pairing, both DFW boys, their games do kind of cancel out a little bit in the sense that like if Spieth's putter is hot for a Ryder cup, like he's strong on the greens and then Scotty obviously around the greens speeth can make up some ground as well i mean scotty's not missing greens dude he's the best he's a green player on the planet (laughs) but uh, yeah i know i'm just i'm just saying like if he does happen to um obviously i said i like the brooks and morikawa opportunity there i think that's a really cool pairing but i also think brooks and ricky would be pretty cool too together i think they're both cool calm and collected pretty surgical around the course um i like them a lot together too yeah i i I would i would like that a lot as well i think brooks and i think rick can like we had mentioned earlier i think rick can kind of pair up with anybody 
they're both you know, Jupiter boys, you know, they probably yeah. play a few times, uh, you know, a month together, even though he's on the live tour. Um, I just, don't, I don't see them breaking up Patrick Cantley and Xander Shoffley. I, I think they are, their record he is can't, too strong. You can't do that. You can't do that. You're, you're letting those guys go out and do what they do. Yeah. I think there is opportunity. Like, let's say they lose their matchup and you do want to break them up. And because what, for whatever reason, like it doesn't seem to be working. I think there is a ton of opportunity to put someone like Xander with Brooks or put Xander with, um, you know, Morikawa or something like that with Xander being a strong putter. Um, and then both being really good ball strikers as well. Um, I also do like the idea of Xander being with someone who's like a real artist around the greens though, too, that has a great short game. So I think Xander with a, a, a speed would be kind of cool as well. The mix of those two, uh, can't lay. I would just sit him for the rest of the Ryder cup for the most part. Don't need to see him on TV. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he could be good. Honestly, I think Cantley could be good with like a Sam Burns or a, a or a or a Scotty. Yeah, I I just I I don't think you break that pairing up. Like, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's, it's likely not going to happen. I don't think I don't think there's a world you break that pairing up. Um, even if they lose, like, I just think you ride you ride that pairing, and um, you know, first first pairing out on you know whatever. Uh, friday or whatever it is like it, they're going to be facing like a juggernaut team that likely it's like oh you lost because you faced their hardest pairing and like we're going to get you back out there in the afternoon at a different slot where you'll be able to you know chop the shop of the next group yeah all right no I... it, it sounds like we've run through our kind of thought process on a lot of these pairings and potential right now dave firstly i want to get a sense of like right now where do you weigh the odds of this right now like where do you think it uh in your mind not vegas but like where do you think the the competition is right now is it relatively even is there a favoring one way or another and then your your points prediction um i'll need to know exactly how many points are in the Ryder cup because i know the president's cup is different um to make my i think it's 19 or I don't know, but, uh, as, as, uh, 14 and a half is what you need to win the Ryder cup. What's so the total basically points, there's, there's, tw there's 28 points at, at up for grabs. What was the difference at whistling? It was, I know Europe had nine. So if there's 28 points, what was that? It wasn't nineteen nine, was it? Was that right? It was nineteen nine. Yes. Okay. Um, I don't think it's going to be that <laughs> at all. <laughs> Certainly um, not going to be that. Um, I think it's going to be very close. Um, you need fourteen and a half, and I think I think it's going to be. I think I think the U.S. is going to win with like sixteen. I think that's a fair for someone who obviously has like aspirational hopes of a U.S. win. Um, I, I think I think that's a fair scoreline, uh, which would be it'd be sixteen twelve. Then would be the 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 end result. Mm -hmm. Twenty eight points, sixteen twelve, yeah, sixteen twelve. Um, I am going to say. With that being said, I would have said like 
at the beginning of this season, it was going to be another 19-9. Like, no way. But... What? Really? 19-9 like, in Europe? In Europe. You yes. think they're going to match? Maybe, maybe, maybe 18-10. But with the way, with Liv and everything going, like, I definitely thought the European team was going to be um, just outpowered. Um, but I guess... You, you know, thinking John about Rahm, it a little more one, at the time, the number one player in the world, you had Rory, who was either two or three. Like, I, I they're going to be back in Europe. The U.S. hasn't won on European soil in 30 years. The U.S. team was already not in form like it was at Whistling Straits. So I'm you just going to match that record. I just thought that at that, that was my sentiments coming into this season. And what made me, or I was a little hesitant hesitant after the president's president's cup because of the lack of the firepower and the fight they they put up uh at uh at at the president's Quite cup. Hollow, right? Um yeah, I was at Quahall. Um maybe think a little differently, but yeah, I, I had high hopes and uh that has definitely changed. I think I think it's gonna be more a, a, a very close, a close Ryder Cup. Yeah. What was I, the the other question you had premised this with besides the points? Yeah, just like how if you thought it was relatively even, or if you thought you know, because you could say that like it's going to be even, but like this is going to be the score, or like, I, to, to uh, it might make more sense when I say my thing. So I think Europe is actually, I think in my mind they're not the betting favorite, and even Data Golf has the European team at a thirty eight percent chance of to win, and the US at a fifty four percent chance to win. Um, so I think that's a, that's an interesting statistic, but to me, I honestly think it's probably like neck and neck. If not, I almost say like 52% chance that Europe's going to win this and 48% chance that the U S is going to win this. But I, I, I believe in the, the confidence in the U S team and kind of almost the naivete of a lot of these guys that haven't gone to Europe and got done that might actually help us get it done and not have the scar tissue of a lot of the older guys that have gone over there and lost so many times um that i do think they're also gonna get it done i think what? it's gonna be closer though i think it's gonna be what's your I, what's your reasoning for uh, like you had mentioned that you think europe is uh, you know a favorite the favorite going into this what's your reasoning for that is it just because they haven't been able to get it done on european soil in 30 years is it the team has come together much better than at least I as I had anticipated it would um at the beginning of the year. Yeah, so let me let me put it I'll I'll, I'll say three things that I think are driving it. Um I think you can't understate the fact that the US hasn't done this in 30 years, that they haven't gone over to Europe and won and they haven't even really made it close in a while. Um I think that's a big thing. Um I think that their team is rounding into form nicely. I think with Victor Hovland surging, I think with as long as Rory is healthy, which it sounds like he's going to be, he's obviously been super dependable throughout the last two or three years. I think John Rahm, to your point, is a <laughs> is to me one of the best golfers in the world. Obviously, clear uh, top three. Um, I think it's 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 hard to argue they're not going to show up for this this Ryder Cup. You and I both expect high ceilings out of out of Victor Hovland. I think Tommy Fleet was going to have another great Ryder Cup like he did at Lake Golf National. I think it's going to be a big Ryder Cup for Shane Lowry. I think Ludwig is a fucking menace. I think he's going to be the real deal there. So you have, to me, six guys 
which is half your team that I think are going to show up and ball out. So like, I think that's, that's a big part of where I think that's, and now it's just a matter of those other guys showing up and doing their part. So Nikolai, get a point or two for us. Matthew Fitzpatrick, prove me wrong and actually show up and start getting points for yourself in the Ryder Cup. Tyrrell Hatton, use that fire in the right direction. Justin Rose, be the guy you've been at previous Ryder Cups again. That's another thing too. I think they've come into form at the right time. And the last thing being is the U.S. team to me isn't in form right now. But apart from Scotty Scheffler, whose putter is cold as fucking an iceberg right now, no one else in this team is really like firing in all their possible cylinders and peaking right now. Not a single person. So like, that's the thing I think weighs against. I think their floor is way fucking higher. And I think if it's like everyone brought their B games, the U S is going to win by three points. But if Europe brings their a game and the U S brings the game, they've most of them have been bringing the majority of the season. It's going to be really fucking close. So that's kind of my mindset. I got you. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I'm, my prediction for scoreline is going to be, I'm going to say 15 to 13 us. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't want to say 14 and a half to 13 and a half because that's literally the, the least amount you need to win the, the, the Ryder cup. And, but I do, I think it's gonna be 15, 13. So we we have a a point difference in what we think, but relatively yep. close. Relatively close, know. yeah. And I think the, in my mind, the U.S. is upsetting them by getting that done. So that's why I even think that's like a huge jump to me. Like I, I get that the U.S. is obviously came off a historic win at Whistling Straits, but I it's hard for me to feel like the U.S. team is like a juggernaut favorite. It's also, in this. I, it's also not the same team. You know, it's it's not the same it's team. Not you're missing DJ, who was five and zero. Oh. You're 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 missing, I think, form from some of these guys. Like, yeah, Bryson, you know, he did well at Whistling Straits. Certainly JT and Speed are not playing as well as they did when they're at Whistling Straits in terms of their performance. You could argue the same thing for both Xander and Cantley. I think they have a, a higher floor right now than JT and Speed, but they're certainly not playing their best golf right now. So I I, I don't know. I think it's gonna be really, really, really close. And also, we Brooks won't... hasn't been playing good. Hasn't been playing good golf since he won the PGA. Like that, you know. Yeah, I mean, who that's knows not... how Brooks is going to be playing? So I think there's just as many question mark guys on the U.S. team as we have on the European side. We just know we just know more about them. We know what they're capable of versus we don't really know what Big Shot Bob is capable of at a Ryder Cup. I mean, everyone on our team except for Brian Harmon and Sam Burns, I guess Wyndham Clark as well, have have not played in a Ryder cup and at least Sam Burns and Wyndham Clark have played in president's cups and they've actually Wyndham Clark hasn't played in a president's cup. I don't think this will be his first team event. I think so. This I guess there's the question mark. First Ryder cup too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it'll be interesting. I, I think it's going to be close. I'm going to go. Yeah. 15, 13, the U S taking it. Okay. Um, I'll throw this out here before we wrap this thing up is there any like you know plays that you would have done or out in i won't say outlandish but uh kind of curveball plays you would have done for the u.s or european team as like maybe taking someone off and throwing someone else on that you think could be a benefit you know it's a 
because I, I I have one one in mind for for the U.S. team, but I want to I want to I want to kind of hear if you have any. You know, hit me with it while I think about it, because I don't really have anyone that's screaming off the page at me. Um. So for me, I would take JT off and put DJ on. Okay, I mean, I I get that he's had a pretty meh year, but okay. I mean, JT is your argument, like he's had a worse JT's had a worse year, and DJ's came off a of five and zero. Oh. Um, so I, I get it. I'm, I'm not like against the, against the pick. Yeah. And I, I don't necessarily think that, you know, they, the argument with JT is like a team guy. I think, I think J- DJ might not be as much of a team guy, but he also like, he knows all those guys like, uh, he, you know, clearly after the last Ryder cup, like they were all vibing with him and in the post, you know, Ryder Cup interviews and stuff, it all seemed pretty, you know, DJ had some things to say and people were loving it. But uh, I, that that that's kind of my uh, kind of curveball aside from Keegan or or Cam Young or something like that. I, I would I would throw DJ on this team instead of JT. I think that's completely fair. I, I don't think I have anything else that, that, that falls in that same category. Um, I think he makes the most sense in terms of people that we haven't talked about already. Um, yeah, I think I, I don't have anything. I, I the only that... other guy kind of like that is Finau, but he's not DJ, you know, so he's not DJ. And also he hasn't really, he didn't have a particularly, yeah, he didn't have a particularly good, good year. So, and he hasn't, he doesn't have like an astonishing Ryder cup record either. Um, He's the kind of guy that you think would have a fantastic Ryder Cup record because he makes so many damn birdies. It's not bad. It's three and three, you know, yeah. so 50 percent, which isn't horrible compared to other guys. But but yeah. certainly not enough to take a guy who went five and zero at the previous over a guy who went five and zero at the previous Ryder Cup. So and DJ is just kind of a different animal, you know. Like yeah, he's playing live, but like you know, DJ can be like I I know I know I'm playing the Ryder Cup. I'm gonna get my game in form, kind of guy. And Agreed. I know yeah. that's kind of like walking in the face of the JT thing, but you would think that JT has been trying to get his game into form all season. Whereas DJ could easily have been like, I don't Just... give a fuck all season. And like when the Ryder cup comes around, he's going to be like, okay, well, you I know, figure my I, might, out, I yeah. might, I might, I might try to try for this. <laughs> Agreed. No, I think I, and I, at the end of the day with however probably limited play, DJ put in this season, he still outperformed JT at the majors when they went head to head. So uh, I don't necessarily disagree with the, the the replacement there. I think there is an argument to be made for DJ. Um, the only thing you would just put toward is like, there's no way DJ would play another one of these. Like, at, like after this point, he'll be like, what, 40 ish. Um, and if they're really trying to lean into like a, the next generation of players, um, it's hard, it's hard to say. Yeah, that he would be playing again. But yeah, that's that's my curveball. Um, it sounds like you don't really have ha- have one off the top of the head, which it's hard to have one for the European team. I kind of mentioned Aaron Rye er- earlier, but it's not like a curveball kind of thing. The only person um, you could talk about like... would be like a Matt Wallace, maybe, who played okay the last few events, but to me, not enough to be like pull someone off this team and put him on there. I think Moronk would go on before anyone else in my mind. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I mean, it's like, 
you know, we had mentioned Sergio clearly, and then maybe Norin or Paul Casey or someone like that. But we didn't not, do this for the U.S. Not, team, uh, like we did for the European team when we were choosing up pairings and stuff like that. Um, who do you think are going to be the top two points earners for the the U.S. team, and who might be the uh, surprising or unsurprising uh, disappointments or lowest performance for the team? Um, I want to I I want to say. I want to say that we're going to be pleasantly surprised from Harmon. I think he's going to pull at least the weight that he's expected to pull. Um, as far what as that, what is that though? Really, is that is that two? I think he, I think three and Like what? What is that? If he play, if he plays three sessions, I think he'll do two and one or something like that. Probably right, two he's oh a, and one. Might positive, push a match. Yeah, he he's a net positive for the team, and if he is two zero and one, he's an overall positive for the team. Um, so I think I think Harmon, albeit like he doesn't seem like he should be on this team, and just because of a major win is the reason he's on this team. I think he's going to work out well, considering it's over in Europe. He's an outstanding putter, um, and I think he matches up well with anyone. I think he's going to be a benefit. Um, as far as like a bust for this team, my gut says Spieth and JT are going to be a bust for this team. Like as much as I hate to say it with, with the golden boy, um, I just think they're going to pair both those guys up. Their games don't necessarily seem like they're in the best place and, and they're going to go rarely out win singles able- matchups too. And I think they're going to go out and they're going to pair both those guys up. They might play two sessions and they're going to, they're going to lose both. I think that is possibly the most likely scenario in terms of ultimate downside with where both of their games and, and position is at. it's going to be a roller coaster. It's going to be fun to watch, albeit maybe painfully. Um, and I don't know if I necessarily disagree. Um, in terms of guys that I think are going to show up and, and maybe be a, a high point center for our team. Um, I don't, I don't really know what's driving me to say this, um, but I think it's just going to be, I think it's going to be a great Ryder cup from Rick. I don't know how much opportunities he's going to get to play, but I do think Rick is going to leave like at least three and zero. Like I think he's going to play two sessions and then win his his Sunday singles. Like I think Rick is going three and zero at at the least. I mean, I would I would love to see that. Like I would absolutely love to see it improve his Ryder Cup record. And I think he's playing good golf this year. Um, a three and zero would be outstanding. I would I would love that. Um, I don't know if he's going to have two team, I think, I think he'll probably be out there for one team thing. I don't know if they're going to have him out there for two, but uh, if he is, I would love to see that. Yeah. I mean, it, there's a lot of matches that go out there. It's not too hard to play three sessions, including the Sunday singles. Like, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, and if I, let's see if I can pull this up. Like it's, it's a lot of matches. It's like four every session, right? Yeah. I guess, I guess considering the, I guess, I guess considering the team. Yeah. He's probably going to play three. Um, thinking about another guy who I think is going to perform well, this, this Ryder cup. I, I think there's a chance. I mean, I get they're going to be paired against like the the hardest folks out there, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if Xander goes five and oh, like he, he takes the DJ role and like he goes out there and, 
he just fucking cleans shop with a lot of people. Okay. Okay. He's got to take down that. some heavy fucking pairings with him and Cantley, but I think it's possible. And then I, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think that, like, there's a good chance that this is a bust for both Brooks and Scheffler. Like, Scheffler's the number one player in the world, but, like, you've got to make fucking putts. And you've got to make putts when it matters. And there's a chance that, like, Scheffler goes, like, one in one in three at the at this he, Ryder Cup. He, 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 you know, I don't disagree with that, but he has shown to be a great match play golfer like he does well in match play I, yeah you're you're not wrong about that um and i also think him being buddies with sam burns might be a liability too he's not the strongest partner to be with so like you actually have to carry a little bit of weight though uh wherever it's not with the green so it's uh i think there's a chance that he doesn't come through and doesn't perform um yeah, I have, I've got a weird feeling about him and Brooks. I, I like Brooks with someone calm like Morikawa where like they'll grit through it, but I, I kind of feel like Brooks is the kind of guy that thrives being on his own and being independent and doing well at majors where it's all on him for him. But I think he's the kind of guy that might secretly beat himself up if he's letting someone else down. And uh, I think he needs someone like a Morikawa. Um, whereas I think if he's paired with like a... If he's paired with like a Spieth or if he's paired with like a Scotty... And like he's not pulling his weight, he'll just like maybe implode a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he's got a six five and one record in the Ryder Cup. Um, yeah, Brooks Brooks is kind of a wild card. Like I'd mentioned, he hasn't played well since the PGA Championship. Um, who knows what kind of mentality he's going to be coming into this Ryder Cup with? Um, you just never know with him if he's actually cares or wants to play well. Um, but at least at Whistling Straits, it seemed like he was invested in, in it. Um, there yeah. was that whole rules debacle uh, where it clearly showed that he was, you know, cared and, you know, kind of went at it with the rules official. Um, but yeah. Well, it, it, it does seem like he cares quite a lot on, on the course. There are, you know, rumors or at least people talking about how once it's off the course in the locker room, he's kind of like keeps to himself or goes off and isn't in the, you know, hyping each other up or isn't participating in like the team activities or the case would be, it seems like he kind of just like holds up and heads for the hotel or, you know, whatever. Well, one thing I, I, I have heard with something that has changed with the U S team is that in the past they have tried to kind of, I won't use forced like the team to get together and like work out together and stuff like that. And at whistling straights, they kind of was like, okay, everyone, you know, do their own thing and get ready how they would essentially for a tour event or a tour stop um, to get yourself in, in the position to play good golf, as opposed to like, Hey, we're all going to get here at a certain time and work yeah. out together and hit the range together. And, you know, you're kind of taking people out of their, Normal their, routine. their, yeah. Yeah, their normal routine. So if I, I think if they stick to to that same, you know, letting people get ready how they normally get ready, and then you know get to the first tee and their partners there, and you know let them work from there, I think it'll bode well for them. Yep, I, I think that makes the right the right strategy for the U.S. team because we are 
rather individualistic country and we like to get kind of our own things where I feel like that team camaraderie and participating and all that kind of stuff probably is better suited for the Europeans, I feel like. Um, so at the end of the day, I think it's going to be a, a tight Ryder Cup. I think it's going to be a, an awesome battle. It's going to be cool seeing these guys, you know, participate in my favorite event in the golf calendar, multi-year calendar. And uh, yeah, we're only only a week away. Yeah, I'm pumped for it. Um, like you had mentioned, you know, my favorite golf event. Um, you know, I, I I would love to see it every year, but I I uh, understand it makes it that much more, um, you know, exciting whenever it is biannually, and we do have the Presidents Cup, so. But yeah, I'm super stoked. Um, that coinciding with the Ranger Cup, it's all just a uh, a great great thing with team golf in our 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 realm. So uh, I'm really pumped, and uh, yeah, looking forward to watching it. And uh, I'm I'm gonna be glued to the TV. Agreed. Same here. Well, we'll catch everybody on the recap pod for probably both the Ryder Cup and the Ranger Cup coming up. And if you haven't listened to our Ranger Cup pre-pod and it's something that you care about, we ran our draft and uh, it was a good time. So give that one a listen if you care and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks. Peace.